Good morning. Um, it's a pleasure to be here once again to share the word. If you're new here this morning, my name is Jonas Ramos. I'm from Mozambique, Africa. So I'll be sharing the word from the book of Romans, chapter 3, 27 through 31, and beginning of, verse, uh, of chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, please grab them and go to Romans chapter 3. 27. I'm going to go ahead and, and um, read the first section of the, the passage that I'll be preaching this morning. So Romans 3, 27 uh, through 31. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. I'm going to go ahead and pray once again. Lord, thank you for your word. Your word is good. And I pray this morning that you will shine the light inside of our hearts through your word. And just help us, Lord, to see you in it and to walk through the Holy Spirit that you have put in our lives. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, if you're new, we've been going through the book of Romans uh, since the beginning of this year. And so far in our progress uh, through the book of Romans, we have done the introduction uh, to the book of Romans, which is in chapter 1, verse 1 through 17. And after that, we have went through the condemnation, um, which is found in 1, uh, verse 18 through 3, 20. And at this point in time, we're, do, we're talking about justification, and I believe Eric uh, made the introduction to um, justification, which is found in chapter 3, 21, towards the end of chapter 5. So as we can see, Paul begins with the bad news in the book of Romans. The bad news that we are desperate without Jesus. The bad news that our sin has stained us. The bad news that without Christ, we are all lost. And the bad news that we all are fallen. So that's how Paul starts. And that's in chapter 1. And now, at this point in our, in our study, we're talking about justification, which is the beginning of good news. The good news that we need Christ to be part of God's family. We need Christ to take us from, the, from our situation without Christ. And so this morning I'll be talking about um, the implications of justification. And so as we can see in this, in this passage here that I just read, there are three implications which, which I'll, be, I'll be talking about each one in turn. The first one being any boasting 
is excluded. So this is kind of the idea that if number one is true, then number two is also true. Now, if justification by faith is true, then any boasting is excluded. Amen. There is no way we can boast about anything because justification is something that comes freely from God to us. And so we have no reason to boast. It's by faith alone. So there is no taking credit for anything. And so Paul was writing this to the church in Rome, which was composed of the Roman, of the Roman, Roman local people, as well as the people coming from Israel, the Jews. So there were these two groups of people being part of that church. So he writes this to let them know that there is no way they could boast about their salvation because it, was, it had nothing to do with their works. And if you can remember, we have spoken here that the Romans, I mean, the, the Jews were boasting about their works, about the sacrifices they did, about the deeds that they did, thinking that those deeds would bring the, their salvation. But that was false, definitely false. And so Paul writes to them here, and he tells them that there is no boasting in salvation because there is nothing we have done that get, makes us worthy of being saved, of being justified. Nothing at all. There is no self-congratulation because of the things that they were doing or because of the things that we do in our own strength, thinking that we're going to earn God's favor, we're going to earn God's salvation. There is none of that. There is no speaking proudly of ourselves with those kinds of thoughts. There is no bragging about our salvation because it's given to us freely through the sacrifice of Jesus. So as we can see here, Paul tears that pride wall down. He demolishes this com uh, completely. You cannot be proudful of your salvation because you did not earn it. And that is good news, right? It's good news. Because just imagine if we had to work to be saved. How would that be? How much work would we be required to do? And if you can remember, there are stories in the Bible. There's a story in the Bible of Jacob, you know, working for, for him to 14 years just to be able to have a wife, the wife that he wanted to marry. 14 years just for marriage. Imagine salvation. How much work would we have to do to be saved? Fortunately, we don't have to do that. And that should be good news. It's good news. We should be thankful for that. We should be thankful for the fact that we don't have to do anything. All we got to do is to just have faith in Jesus. That's what it takes. To have faith in him 
and to trust in him. Now, as you can see, boasting is looking to yourself and not to God. Boasting is looking at what I do that I think that is going to give me salvation rather than looking to God who is the one that gave me salvation, who is the one that justifies me. And that is not right. I can't look to myself as being the one who has done something. But it's Christ who died on the cross to make us right with God. When we look to ourselves, we're making ourselves more important. Looking to the things that we do, our deeds being more important than anything else. And that is not right. We make ourselves the center of attention. And this, unfortunately, this was the, the situation in the, in the church in Rome. The Jews were boasting. And if you can remember, the last time I spoke here, I talked about that, those two men that went to the temple to pray. The Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Pharisee was praying like this, God, I thank you because I'm not like these men beside me. I fast twice a day. I give to the poor, and I do all these things, but this guy does not. Thank you, God, that I'm this way. So as we can see, there is pride even in the church. There is pride even in the church. But should we be prideful about anything? No, we should not. Because there is nothing that we get on our own efforts or on our own strength because we're weak. Any efforts that we make, they're futile. They will never, ever give us salvation. Rather, they should be the result of being saved, the result of being justified by God, not because of the things that we do but because of our faith. So if justification by faith is true, then it should drop us down on our knees in worship to God. We should be humble instead of being prideful for it. And so Paul says here, by what kind of law? By saying the law, he talk, he's talking about the principle. What, but what kind of principle? The principle of works? No, by no means. But the principle of faith. It's through faith that we're, sa well, faith that we're saved in Christ Jesus. And that give us, gives us no right for us to be prideful, to brag about anything. Because something that's given, you can't really boast about it. Because it's free. It's by faith alone. And if it's by faith alone, then we have nothing to do about it. I, I grew up in a church back in Mozambique that was very, very legalistic at some point. Very much legalistic. And... I remember being in the youth group and every Sunday 
there was an announce, announcement period where somebody would come over and talk about things that were going on in the church. And one item that was always, always announced was that somebody was sick. They didn't get to come to church. And that never missed. Every Sunday, there was somebody sick. And the youth group would go and visit that person and pray with them and encourage them. And so I was part of the youth group, and I did these things. And in my mind, every time I do this, God is writing it down and giving me this sense of um, being deserving of salvation just because I'm doing this. this. This is what I thought at the time. And this is what everybody else thought. And when I could not go, I was devastated because I thought, oh my goodness, I've done something wrong. And so when I was able to go, God was happy with me in my mind. And when I was not able to go, I had done something wrong to God, and maybe God was angry with me. And this was, this was in my mind and in everybody's mind. This is what, I, what we thought. So by doing all these things, we thought that we were going to get God's favor because of these good deeds that we were doing. There were so many other things as well going on in the church. If something broke down, you know, people were invited to come over and fix it. If you did not go, you felt like you had done something wrong. You had wronged God, and he was angry with you. And as you can see, that's exhausting. It's exhausting. You feel like you're walking on eggshells. You feel like God is out there to get you, right? That's, how you, that's what you feel like. But he's not. You feel like God is looking for one thing that you're going to do wrong so that he can punish you. But that is not the kind of God that we're worshiping this morning. The God we're worshiping this morning, he's merciful, he's loving, he's gracious, and he's actually pursuing us every day. He pursues us. So much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for us, to justify us. And today when he looks at us, he sees the righteousness of God. Amen. That should be a reason for us to humble ourselves before God and to worship. It should relieve us from all that stress of feeling like we're walking on eggshells, of feeling like we're making God mad for, you know, for not doing something that we're supposed, apparently supposed to be doing. That's the good news that Paul is bringing to us this morning. So as you can see, I grew up in that kind of environment. And look, look what Isaiah says. Isaiah in chap uh, chapter 64 Verse 6, it says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. NIV says, filthy rags. 
We all fade like leaves, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. So everything that we do, thinking that we're going to gain God's favor, is like filthy deeds, filthy rags. In talking about filthy rags, something happened to me this week. I went to buy paint at the store, and there were there were too many cans that I bought that were in a box, and when I put them in the car, the, the, uh, the can that was on top it fell, and the lid popped open. The whole mat in my car was full of paint. And I ran back into the store and asked for rags. I brought them out, and I was kind of wiping all that paint out, and I had this bunch of, you know, rags on the floor that were all filthy, full of paint. And eventually I just decided I couldn't use that mat anymore in my car. I threw it away. I just had to throw it away. And all those rags, you can't really do anything with them. You can't really do anything. You just throw them away. And so that's, our, that's how, how our deeds are. If we think that by doing good things, we're gaining God's favor, we, that's a lie. It's a lie. It's like those filthy rags that are worth nothing. They can just be thrown away. We can't, I, can't, I couldn't use them for anything. And that happened exactly this week when I was prepping for this, you know, to talk about this. <laughs> What an illustration, right? <laughs> I feel like God was showing me. If you, if you think that your good deeds are going to give you salvation, look at those rags that you just used. Where are they now? They're in the dumpster. It's good news that we're justified by faith and faith alone in Christ Jesus. We can't boast over anything. And it's freeing to know that we don't have to do anything for it. It's freeing. We don't have to walk on eggshells. We don't have to fear that God is going to be angry at us if we do not do this or that. It's freeing. As you can see, when I got to learn the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ about justification by faith alone, you can imagine, you can see that I felt like there was this burden on me that was lifted out. I don't have to worry anymore. As long as I have faith in Christ, I'm justified. I'm justified. And when I think of justification, one of the things that I think about is being acquitted from, the, from God's court. Being acquitted is not being regarded as guilty. In a court, for example, if somebody is being judged and they're acquitted, it's because the judge did not find anything wrong to them, or he doesn't have evidence of that person doing anything wrong. Now, in the court of God, God knows. He knows that we're guilty of sin. But because of the Lord Jesus Christ's work on the cross, we are justified. We've been forgiven. And we're free. 
Amen. And that is good news this morning. It's good news. It should drop us out down on our knees in worship. Even the faith that we have to believe in Christ, it comes from Him. It comes from God. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that we can do. If you believe in God, if you believe in Jesus, that faith for you to believe, it doesn't come from you. It's God himself that put that in you. And to be honest, there are so many people out there that that they have heard the word of God. They have heard the good news, but they just simply do not believe it. They don't believe it. So we should be thankful that God has given us faith for us to believe in Christ. And he has justified us through that faith. So there is no boasting. No boasting over ministry going well. Because if it's going well, it's God's providence. It's God working in that ministry. There is no boasting about any of the abilities that we have, any accomplishments that we have about things. No boasting. Because it's, those are God's, it's God's hand working in our lives. There is no boasting our, about our abilities to speak or even to preach for myself. And I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching here to you guys. No boasting at all. No boasting over participation in small church or in church projects or any sorts of things like that. There is no boasting. Because the abilities for us to do all those things, they come from God himself. And we have done nothing to earn them. So this should, be drop, should drop us down on our knees in worship and And we should be humble before God. And this is not the first time that Paul is talking about pride. He speaks about pride too when he writes to the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, he says, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Why boast? Even for us to breathe today, for us to breathe, that breath comes from God. For us to move, to walk. Well, if we left home and we came here, that's a gift of God. There is nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing that we can be proud of. All we should do is to fall down on our knees and worship and be thankful to God for all that he provides. Amen. We should be thankful. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, he says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. Isn't that good news? 
That, that, that's good news right there. And it should give us joy in our hearts to know that we don't earn anything. But it's given to us by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. So if justification by faith is true, then pride has to be gone from our lives. That is the first truth this morning. And the second truth, which is the second point of my sermon this morning, is the fact that all distinctions, all distinctions, they ought to go away. They have to be removed. And that can be found in verses 29 and 30. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So all the distinctions, whether Jews or Gentiles, they have to be thrown away to the dumpster. Because we're all God's people, whether Gentiles or Jews. We're all one body of Christ. And this is a theme that we see throughout the Bible, even from the, from the Old Testament. God has been revealing this to his people, even in the Old Testament. And let me show you here a verse in the first Kings chapter 8, 59 through 60. First Kings 8, 59 and 60. It says, Let these words of mine, with which I have pleaded before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night. And may he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel, as each day requires that all the people of the earth, I repeat that, all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God. There is no other. Is there a distinction there? No distinction. All the peoples of the earth, whether Jews or Gentiles, may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. <coughs> Excuse me. God has been working in, in his people's lives to make them understand that there should be no distinction. Everyone is included. As long as they believe in Christ, they have faith in Christ, they're justified through faith alone, they're part of Jesus' family. And you might be familiar with this verse in, in the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. And that includes us in America. It includes people that are in China, in, in Asia in general, people in Africa. And I tell you guys, you can go to a remote area, the most remote area of this world, and find a church. <coughs> Excuse me. You might not find a hospital. You might not find a school. You might not find big infrastructures. 
that you might find in church. I myself have been in one area that was very remote. The first thing I saw was a church. I had left my church and I went out, you know, hundreds of miles away um, from my neighborhood, from my city, and I lived there for three years. There was a church. There was no hospital, but there was a church. When I fell sick once, I had malaria, I had to ride a bicycle, not, a, not an e-bike, not an electric bicycle, okay? Mechanical. <laughs> I had to ride my bicycle for about, I don't know what it would be, uh, 18 kilometers, I think that would be nine miles. I rode nine miles on my bicycle to get to the hospital. But when he came to go into church, he was very close. So God is working, even in Gentiles' lives, that are building churches, that are starting churches, out there. And you also can be part of that. You don't have to travel anywhere. You can be part of that here in Holmes County. Either by preaching to people, or by being part of ministries that are functional somewhere in the world. But God is working in people's lives. And he has been always committed to bring nations to himself for his glory. To this day, God is calling Gentiles into his kingdom. He's justifying Gentiles. He's justifying nations. People that were once desperate, you see them share their, de their testimonies, and you see God working in their lives. People that have not even ever been to, to, uh, to Israel, right? They don't even know where Israel is, for God's sake. My, my parents, my parents themselves, when they think about Israel, they think that it's in heaven. My parents. They don't know that Israel is on this earth. They do not know. When they hear anything about Israel, Judea, they, because they hear those words in the context of the Bible, they think all these things, or all those lands that are spoken, they're in heaven. I told my mom once, no, <laughs> it's on this earth. People travel there, and they, and they come back, right? And God is, is calling people like those, illiterate people, people that have nothing to do with Israel. He's calling them into his kingdom. Amen. That's good news. That's really, really good news. What would it be like if God did not include us? What would it be like? You would be lost forever. But we should praise God. We should worship him for his justification <clears throat> through faith that he himself gives us. So we are, not to be, we are not called to be prideful of our faith, but we're called to be humble. And we're not called to conceal this justification, this faith that we have. We're not supposed to conceal it. We're supposed to let it known to people 
And we have examples in the Bible, illustrations in the Bible of Jews trying to conceal this faith that they have. Have you ever heard of Jonah? I believe you have heard of Jonah. He's one of those illustrations. God comes to him and tells him to go to Nineveh and preach the word of God to the Ninevites, a Gentile nation. What does he do? Instead of going to Nineveh, he goes the opposite direction. He's running away from God. He hates the Ninevites so much that he doesn't want to obey God to go and preach to them. That's how much he hates them. And he wants to conceal the word of God. Instead of letting it known to people. And God in his providence, he works in his life and he goes anyway. He gets there, he preaches the gospel to the Ninevites and they repent. What is his reaction to that repentance? He gets angry, he sits and starts to whine. God, I knew that you were a God of mercy and gracious. I knew this is what you were going to do when you sent me here. He's angry. Any missionary that would be sent to preach the gospel, he would be thrilled to see that happen, isn't it? Isn't that true? He would be thrilled to see that happen, to see people that he preached to repent of their sin. They would be thrilled. But this man, he hates the Ninevites so much that he gets so upset, so angry with God himself. Angry with God for Gentiles' repentance. We are not called to conceal our faith. We are called to let people know about it. We are called to share Jesus with other people so they may come to know him too. So if justification by faith is true, then there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles. And mind you, we are Gentiles. A Jew, a Gentile is anybody who is not a Jew. Unless there is someone here who is a Jew. If there is, then the rest of us are Gentiles. But there is no distinction between that which is Jew and us as Gentiles. Amen. And that is good. And praise God for that. We should be praising God for that. Because he's inclusive. He includes us in his kingdom. And my third point this morning, the third implication is the law is established. So if justification by faith is true, then the law is established. It's, it is not revoked. And that is found in verse 31. Do we then overthrow the law by, by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we, have, we uphold the law. How do we uphold the law? How is it abolished? How, how is it abolished? How is it not abolished? The law is still in effect to this day. Jesus came to the earth and he fulfilled the law, which we were not able to. He came and worked. He was sinless, and he fulfilled the law, 
so that he would give us the right. He would give us this privilege, not the right, excuse me, this privilege of being justified by faith. Now, to this day, we are not to take the name of God in vain. And that, that's part of the law, even in the Old Testament. And up to this day, that's in effect. We are not to take the name of God in vain. We are not to have other gods besides our God in heaven. We are not to make images of our God. We are to honor our father and mother to this day. And we are not to bear the name of God in vain. And we're still not to steal and not to kill. And so those are laws, and they're still in effect to this day. And one thing that I'd like you to know this morning is the fact that without the Holy Spirit, we will not do these items here. We will not be able to fulfill the law that I just spoke about. We need the Holy Spirit. The more and more we cling to the Holy Spirit, the more and more that the Holy Spirit would conform us to, will conform us to Christ would make us more like, to, like Christ because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in our lives if we have faith in Christ. It abides in our lives. And it helps us through to obey God, to obey Jesus Christ, and to cling to our faith. It's only through the Holy Spirit so the law is not abolished. On the contrary, it has to be upheld. We, we uphold the law. And it's important to note, to note here that this obedience to the law is not because of any strength that we have. It's not because of our wisdom or because of anything that we can do. It's through the Holy Spirit. It's through Christ himself that abides in us, that allows us to obey the law. Amen. It's only through Christ. And it's the law that shows us where we're wrong. So the law is supposed to show us, is there to show us where we're wrong. Just imagine with me, if there was no law here in America, okay? Everybody could murder anybody they hated, right? And still get away with it if there was no law. But there is law, and so we know that if somebody murders somebody else, you know what awaits them, right? The law is going to judge them. So the law is there to show us where we're wrong. If there was no traffic law, anybody could come and park in the middle of the road, right? B just block the road to make other people angry, <laughs> right? And expect no punishment for that. They would get away with it if there was no law. But because there is law, we know that that is wrong. And if we do it, all the cops will come, right? And they'll take care of it. 
because there is law, we know that we, don't, we should not drive without a driver's license. We know that. And that if we do it, then we will face the consequences. Because there is law, we know that we have to do our taxes every year, right? We know it. And if we, if we don't do it, we know the consequences of that. So the law is there. The law is important and it needs to be upheld. The moral law of God is still there. It needs to be upheld. And the only way to uphold the law is by the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's the only way. And we would not be able to do it in our own strength. We will not. And so finally, Paul gives an illustration at the beginning of chapter 4 in verses 1 through 8. He gives an illustration of Abraham. And I know that you all are familiar with Abraham and what he has done and his faith. Um, the one thing that I would like to note here is the fact that Abraham in this passage, is given as an illustration of justification through faith alone. But in the Jewish culture, they gave the example of Abraham as an example of justification through works. That was in, in the Jewish cultural, um, cultural uh, background. So when Paul writes here, and he gives the same example that is known by the Jews, in one way, it's very significant that he uses this example to, to show us that justification is only by faith alone. That's pretty significant. So he turns things upside down, because the Jews think that they're justified because of obeying the law because of all the things that they, they do, all the deeds that they do. So they think that their justification, justification comes from that, but that is not right. Paul tells them that actually Abraham was justified not by works, but by faith. He believed in God. And you might think here, like, how did Abraham believe in God? Just read the story. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, we read, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families of the earth shall be blessed, including us in Holmes County. Amen. All the families. So God tells Abraham, just leave. Leave your home and go to the country that I'm going to show you. Is that easy? And Abraham really did. He left. He left his family. He left his home. He left everything that he had ever known. He left it behind, and he followed God. Guys, that's, that's not easy. I, I left Mozambique, and I came here, but it's not the same thing. It is not the same thing. 
Of course, I was worried when I, before I left Mozambique, I was, I was thoughtful. Am I going to survive there? I hear that it's so cold. Am I going to be alive? <laughs> and mind you, I didn't know how cold it gets here. Because just hearing from someone that it gets cold, it's not the same as actually experiencing it. It's very different. And when I tell you that it gets hot in Mozambique, guys, it gets hot. And, and you will not really understand it until you go to a place where it gets as hot as it gets there. So Abraham left his home, not knowing where he was going. He heard God, and he left. He obeyed God. That has to be faith. It has to be faith. And like I was saying, when, before I left, I knew that I was going to know well, I knew people here. I knew Eric, Eric Miller. I knew my wife's family, some of my wife's family. I knew, I heard about Matt, Matt Rao from my wife. She had told me about Matt Rao. So I knew a couple of people here. We don't know if Abraham even knew anybody where he was going. But there was no way anyway because he didn't even know where he was going. So I was concerned I'm going to leave my friends, I'm going to leave my family and go to America. <laughs> I was, you, you, you can't even imagine. And I was also worried about jobs. I'm simply a school teacher here. Do I know enough? Even if I want to be a teacher in America, do I know enough to teach in America? What am I going to do there? What job am I going to do? And to add insult to injury, somebody came to me, they're like, man, you're in trouble. <laughs> you are in trouble. You know nothing. You don't have any trade. You don't, you don't know anything. How are you going to survive over there? Now you can see how worried I am. So Abraham did not worry. He simply obeyed God, and he up and left. And amongst those, all those things, that I've, I've talked about, about me leaving my country, the thing that really got me concerned was when, when I went to see my, my parents for the last time before I left. And I gave them a hug, and I told them goodbye, and my mom was like, so that's it? We're never going to see you again? I was like, no, mom. <laughs> I'll come back and see you. But as hard as that is... I, I'm not assured that I'm going to see my mom again. Unfortunately, I'm not assured, right? So it was hard for me to leave. It was hard. And I believe that for Abraham, too, it was hard, but he heard God. God spoke to him, leave your country and go to a place that I'm going to show you. That, that's got to be faith. And he really did. He left, not knowing where he was going. And now think about that. How did his family think? How did his friends think of him? This guy's leaving? He doesn't know where he's going? Can you put yourself in his shoes right now and think about that? And that was because of his faith in, 
in God. And so we are called to have faith, and we're told that we're justified only through faith, by faith alone. And so we're given this example of Abraham for us to follow. It's only through faith that we're justified. And as I go towards the end of my speech this morning, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, please. And another illustration that Paul gives here is of David, which he quotes from Psalm 32, 1 and 2, which says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whom the spirit, the spirit, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Blessed. And the word blessed is a word that is used so many times in Christian circles and even, even by unbelievers. But what does that really mean? To be blessed. When unbelievers use this word, they use it in the sense of having good fortune. And when the word is used in the word of God, it's about being fortunate. Like Mary, the mother of Jesus, was fortunate before God. She found favor before God. And so we are fortunate, brothers and sisters, because our, our sins are forgiven. And what should be our reaction to that? How should we respond to that? We should, we, should, we should respond in prayer, in thankfulness, in worship. Knowing that only Christ was able to do that for us. And there's nothing we can do about our situation, sinful situation. It's only through Christ that we're justified and we are called blessed because our sins are forgiven. We are blessed, brothers and sisters. Amen. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Just, God, let us go home with the knowledge that we are justified only through faith. And if there is anybody here who has not put their faith in you, God, I just pray for them this morning that you would give them faith, true faith in you, that they would believe and be alive again. Thank you, God, so much for your word that encourages us. We thank you so much for your sacrifice on the cross, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.